Thank you, Jack, and good morning. Man, it's always good to uh, be in worship with you. Uh, it's a thrill for me to, um, whether it's standing out in the atrium or just kind of roaming in the atrium, uh, to see your faces and to uh, make connections, whether it's a hug or a handshake. And uh, it's always, always good to be in worship together. And one of the things that we want to cultivate is that when you walk through the doors, that you too are happy to see one another. There's something, about, um, there's something about being joyful in the midst of one another that, um, that increases our capacity to worship God and to love him and to love one another. And so this is your community. This is your community, and we hope that day by day we're making it a more loving community where you can uh, show up as who God has called you to be in this place. And so, uh, as Jack mentioned, we are, uh, we are doing a series called You Asked For It. We are about two weeks away from being done with it. We took the entire summer to listen to what you said regarding some of the things that you wanted to hear um, that, um, from, from Scripture, like, like where it intersects with your life, where it intersects with where you are. So we've talked about race, and we've talked about technology, and we've talked about forgiveness, and we've talked about relationships, and We've talked about death and dying, and, um, and so, so we've attempted uh, angels and demons, and so we've talked about these things where it intersects with your life and mine. And so today is no different. We're talking about work. You probably looked and you saw the title. It's like, On My Grizzy, what in the world is that? Um, so let me translate. On my grizzy means on my grind. On my grind means work, all right? Don't ask me how it came to that. That's the translation, all right? So uh, if, you're not, if, if, if you're not cool, you wouldn't have understood that. So I'm just, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, so, so we're going to talk about work. We're going to try to build together a theology of work. And what I mean by that is what does the Bible say about work and how you and I should show up every day. Now, the, the interesting thing about this, I recognize that uh, a lot of this is going to be kind of... Um, left brain in terms of rational thinking and or like, like this is information. And I want you to know that you're part of a community, at least I hope that you and I are part of a community where we can actually challenge one another on some of these things, that we can love one another into what it means uh, to follow Jesus in this, uh, in this day and age. We don't want this just to be a place you come, you get the information, and you leave, and it, and it matters not when you leave here. We truly want you to be connected to someone who can actually remind you of who you are, remind you of who you are wherever you show up uh, in the world. So we're going to talk about work. So, so start off with this, this, this simple question, um, how do you feel about your job? I'm not asking for responses right now because your boss may be in the room, and uh, uh, but how do you feel about your job? And so there are probably a number of different categories of people in this room where individuals say, Marvin, listen, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my employee. I hate the drive to work. Literally, I have uh, anxiety on Sunday night before I get ready to go into the office or wherever your work is on Monday. And so some of you probably say, you know something, I just, I don't like my job. I just, that's, I'm being very honest with you. I don't like it. Some people say, well, listen, I'm ambivalent. I, I, I don't have, um, I, I like it or I don't like it. It's not any of it. It's just I'm ambivalent. It's, uh, it pays the bills and um, I show up and I clock in, I clock out, and 
Um, I get paid every two weeks or every month or whatever your pay cycle is, and, and I'm pretty ambivalent about my job. Now, this includes not just jobs where you work to make money. This includes if you're a student. Uh, this message is for not just employees and employers. This is, this is if you're a student, if, you, um, if you're retired, if you don't have a job, this message is for you. Then there's a third category of, of people that say, I absolutely love my job. It, it coalesces with where I am. It's a part of my purpose, and I feel alive when I go to work and when I do the job that I do, or when I show up in a class, or if you are a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, I just get so much joy out of my job. I absolutely love my job. And then there are others who say, uh, you may not ever, ever say this, but it shows in the time I worship my job. My job is my idol, that, that when I'm not working, I'm working. Like, like when, I'm not, when, I'm, when I'm thinking, when I'm, when I'm resting in vacation, I'm thinking about working. That is, your desk has become your altar. Uh, or your car has become your altar. If you are a salesman or what have, it, what have you, you worship your job. And then there are others in the room who say, I'm, I don't have a job. I'm, I'm not working. And so, so, so there's, there's this sense of all of that's in the room and some. And this dude by the name of Studs Terkel, that's a, that's, a, that's a great name. Should be a wrestler's name, right? Studs Terkel. He's a famous Chicago author, and he wrote a book in 1974 called Working. And I believe his introduction is just as relevant today as it was in 1974. This is what it says. This book, being about work, is by its very nature about violence to the spirit as well as to the body. It is about ulcers as well as accidents, about shouting matches as well as fistfights, about nervous breakdowns as well as kicking the dog around. It is above all or beneath all about daily humiliations in work. To survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded of great uh, of the great many among us. Then he goes on. It is about a search. Two, for daily meaning as well as daily bread, for recognition as well as cash, for astonishment rather than inactivity and lethargy. In short, for a sort of life rather than a Monday through Friday sort of dying. Perhaps immortality, too, is part of the quest to be remembered. To, re- to be remembered was the wish spoken and unspoken of the heroes and heroines of this book. So he writes a book about working, and he asks uh, a number of different questions. He asks these people about their jobs, and they told him. And as he introduces the book, out of all the stuff that he's heard, he boils it down to this book is about this. It's about people with ulcers, people working too much, people not working enough, people looking for meaning in life, people working for cash and working for, um, for acknowledgement. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about work. We do it. We, have, we spend a lot of time doing it literally every week, 40-plus hours a week we do this. 
and we show up at our jobs. And some days we show up ready to work, and other days we show up not ready to work. And this is me just reminding you of who you are. This is me today just simply reminding you of who you are as a follower of Jesus no matter where you go. Whether you show up at work or whether you show up at home, whether you are an attorney, whether you are an accountant, whether you are a teacher, whether you're a professor in, in college or at the university, or whether you are a factory worker, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, whether you are retired, whether you have your own business, I am simply a mouthpiece to remind you and me of who we are as followers of Jesus as we walk into work every day. So let's get started. Let's get started on, let's, I'm going to give you kind of a build, this is the way we're going to go. I'm going to give you kind of a framework, a biblical framework, and then um, of, of, um, of, of work, and then I'm going to give us some practical ideas that we can work with. So number one, God-ordained work. Now this cuts actually through the chase and cuts through the thinking that work is somehow a curse from God. That's what, that, that, that's what people think, that work is somehow a curse from God. Now, prior to the fall of Adam and Eve, fall of humanity, there is work was good. Work was purposeful. Work was pleasurable. Listen to the text. This is what, this is what uh, Genesis 2.15 says. Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in a garden, and uh, the Garden of Eden, to work it and keep it. So there's a sense where this word work in Hebrew actually is the same word we get our word worship. So work is actually an extension of our worship of God. We sang, which is a part of our worship. We give, which is a part of our worship. We read the text, which is a part of our worship. And even work, what you and I do on a daily basis, is an extension of our worship of God. And so there's this sense where, where work is ordained by God. It was good from the beginning. And we'll talk about where the frustration of work comes from. So, so uh, according to Genesis 2.15, work has intrinsic value. The work that we, I mean, illegal work doesn't. I'm just saying, illegal work doesn't. If you, like, like legal work, good work has intrinsic value. It's inherently valuable and dignified. It is, it is something that you and I, we, we can contribute to the world and society. We get to engage work. It is a source of encouragement to us. It can be. Source of motivation for us, it can be. So work has intrinsic value. When we talk about God ordaining work, the first way we think about it, work has intrinsic value. A second thing that it means uh, when we look at Genesis 2.15 is that you and I are co-creators with God. That, that you and I, God created the world, but when you and I show up in the world, when you and I do attorney work, when you and I do school work, when you and I show up in sports, whatever it is, when you and I, um, um, we're, we're delivering pizza, whatever it might be, you and I, it may not seem like it, but according to building this thinking, this biblical thinking, that we are co-creators with 
God. There's a Hebrew word or a Hebrew phrase called tekum olam, and it means repairing the world. You and I, when we work, in some way, we are bringing shalom. We're bringing peace. We're bringing wholeness. At least we should be bringing wholeness to the world in which we live. A third thing that it means, what it means for it to be work to be ordained by God, is that work is a moral and spiritual duty that you and I have. Uh, it, it is, work is not just, whether it's, it's stay-at-home mom, whether it's school, what have you, it is not just to make a living. It is not just to earn money to keep my habit or my toys alive. It truly is a moral responsibility, a spiritual responsibility. Listen to uh, Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead. In other words, when you and I die, we cannot work. Then um, another passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 the context of this, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians about loving one another, but then he says this, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Check this out. So you and I go, we show up to work every day, whether it's here, me here or you where you work. Guess what? People who don't know Jesus are watching us. They're watching you and they're watching me. And the way you and I show up to work, the way you and I do our work, the way you and I come on time or leave on time, the way you and I take our lunch break on time, the way you and I show up to class or what have you, it matters because outsiders, people who don't know Jesus, are looking at our lives. And if we're offering our work, if we're offering our boss shoddy work, if we're offering our, uh, if we're offering a work that is not excellent, guess what? People who don't know Jesus, they see that, and they say, is that what it means to be a Christian? You come late, you leave early, you take a longer lunch break, and you offer shoddy work? Is, would Jesus actually tell you to do that? And so, so you and I, there are people watching us, and they might make a decision to follow Jesus based on the work that we offer. So we have a moral responsibility, a spiritual responsibility, so that when you and I show up to work, we're showing up to work with a sense where we're offering excellence. We're contributing to the well-being of our job, the people around us. Work also, what it means for God to ordain work, it says it's a stewardship. Stewardship is a $75 word for it is an entrustment. So the job that you have is an entrustment from God. I don't care. You say, Marvin, I don't even like my job. It's still an entrustment from God. God, guess what? God trusted you with the position that you have. He trusted you with the grade that you're in right now. He trusts you with trigonometry, and he trusts you with history, and he trusts you with the job that you're doing. Whether you're a supervisor, whether you're just, not just, please don't, let me take that back. Rewind that, Marvin, rewind that. If you are a factory worker, if you are the boss, if you're not the boss, if you are an accountant, if you're a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home, if you're a student, God has entrusted you with the work that he's given you. 
It is, it is not like, oh, I'm just doing a job. The God of heaven allowed you to have this job, this position that you're in, you're in, and he says, I am going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to show up. and I'm going to trust you to do your work well. I'm going to trust you to do it excellently. I'm going to trust you with all that you have. If you're a student, God says, I'm trusting you. Trusting you with this class. I'm trusting you to, like, like Marvin, I, I, like, like I, this is hard. I can't do it. Like, he's trusting you to be honorable to the teacher. Trusting you to be honorable to your fellow students. So, so there's this entrustment, this stewardship that God gives us, what it means for work to be ordained by God. The other thing that it means also for work to be ordained by God, it actually, it actually is an opportunity for us to serve one another. Listen to what the text says. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So let me, let me, so, so Ephesians chapters one through three is all about us recognizing our sinful state and trusting God. That's trusting, trusting Jesus as Savior. Chapters four through six in Ephesians is all about how we are to live our lives as Christians. And so this text says that, that work has an opportunity for us to serve others, like for those who stole, stop stealing. Rather, work hard, do honest work, not illegal work, honest work with your own hands so that you might have something to share with others. Just check this out. This might blow your mind, but the work that you do is not for you. The work that you do is not just for you. The work that you do is actually to actually serve other people. The work that you do, no matter what it is, the work that I do, the money that you make is not just for you. This is a wild thought, right? As followers of Jesus, that money is not just for you. It is God has given you this job and trusted you with this job and trusted me with the job so that when I get paid, I am actually thinking now, yes, I'm going to take care of all that I need to take care of, but who else can I bless? Who else can I give away? This is a part of helping you and I, helping one another to show up in such a way it honors Christ. Guess what? Guess what? You and I live in this community. This is, we, we hope that this is developing into a loving community. My boy, Chris, back there, Chris has the ability, has the ability to actually confront me. If he sees me buying all kinds of crazy stuff, spending my money, spending my money wildly, buying all kinds of things that I don't need, Chris has a responsibility to approach me to say, hey, the way you're showing up is you're not showing up like yourself. You're not showing up the way Jesus actually wants you to show up. He has that responsibility. Now, now you say, well, man, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know if it, it was that kind of church. No, this is the kind of community that we're trying to develop. So that you and I can actually challenge one another, encourage one another, and love one another into a different way of living. So, so there's this sense where, like, like, like the money, the work that I do is designed to serve other people. For some students in the room, you might be like, you're, some of you are brilliant. Some of you are smart. And, um, and man, it's like you, you might have some people in your class who are struggling with notes. But some of you might be like, like, 
I, I do my notes all the time, and they're all nice. And, and I, listen, I would pay you, literally, I would pay you, if I was in your grade, I would pay you to write notes for me so that I can do a better job on the test. Some of you already do that. And for those of you who are entrepreneurs like that, like, I celebrate that. Upcharge it a little bit too. Upcharge it. I'm just kidding. Like, you're putting work involved in that. So, so there's this sense where we serve others with what we have. And then we, we, we can glorify God with it. We can point to God with our work. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, for the, uh, thank, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so with our work, we get to point to God, that God is the source of all that I have. He is the source of this project. He is the source of the wisdom that I have. So, so that's the, that is God-ordaining work. Well, Marvin, if, if work is so good and pleasurable and has purpose, why do I hate my job? Why do I not like my work? Why do I get anxiety on Sunday night before I get ready to go to work? Why, why, do I, why do I not like the environment that I'm in? Well, we have Adam and Eve to thank for that. And so part of the second part of the framework is human sin disrupted the pleasure and purpose of work. Human sin disrupted the pleasure and purpose of work. So, so work right now, as we know it, is under God's judgment. Now, work before the fall was good. And again, hear me when I say this. Work is still good, but it comes with pain. It comes with toil. It comes with vexation. It comes with this, I don't like it. It comes with a number of different things. Listen to the text. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. This is after Adam and Eve uh, sinned against God. It says, and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you sh- uh, that you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of all the days. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your uh, face, the sweat of your brow. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. So work right now is under the judgment of God. doesn't mean that work, you can, we can't find fulfillment out of work. We should, and we can. But that pain you feel, the toil you feel, the anxiety you feel on a Sunday night, it's part of the, the fall. The boss that is exploiting your talents and gifts and abilities is part of the fall. The, the, the co-workers that are around you that are the community that is toxic, it's, yes, there are other people that help to create that environment, but that's part of the fall as well. And, and so part of what it means for work to be under God's judgment is that, number one, work is frustrating. Work can be frustrating. Listen to Solomon's, what he says in Ecclesiastes, two passages here. Then I considered all my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and the striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun, for all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. It is a frustration, even in the night, and his heart 
even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. So what, what Solomon is saying here is, man, you know, part of the fall is that work is frustrating. Think about work. When I'm sleeping, I can't rest because I'm thinking about work. I can't vacation because I'm thinking about work. I can't rest and I can't Sabbath because I'm always thinking about work and how I'm to show up there. So work, part of the fall is that work is frustrating. Frustrating people, frustrating circumstances, frustrating situations, toxic environments. It's, yes, it's a part of the fall. People make that create those environments, but we can actually point back to that passage in chapter 3. Another thing, what it means is that for work to be, um, to, for work to be under the judgment of God, work exploits instead of enhances. Listen to, this is Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Therefore, this is the story of the, um, of the people of Israel in, uh, under Egyptian slavery. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. Um, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad, um, they, they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Here we see one of the ways in which the fall shows up in work is that bosses and corporations and companies exploit people as opposed to enhance it. I will get all of the work out of you that I possibly can, and then I will get rid of you. I will, I will, you will teach and, um, and, and, and instead of us paying you what you're worth, we will find someone who's just getting out of college, pay them at the lowest rate so we can get rid of you. So there, there is exploitation that happens not just here in Exodus, but American slavery was another way of exploitation. And so, so there's this sense where, where employers and jobs and corporations, sweatshops around the world, Exploiting people as opposed to enhancing the environment where we work. Setting a toxic culture as opposed to setting a culture that enhances the work. So exploits, exploitations rather enhancements. But I think also it means that, that work is undervalued. Work is undervalued. Listen to, um, this is Proverbs um, uh, uh, 20, uh, Proverbs 24 and 30 through 34. It says, I pass by the field of a sluggard. A sluggard is a lazy person. Uh, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles. I got real conviction out of this because Tanya's been asking me to pull some weeds out of the front yard, and I, I am so convicted right now with this this passage that, man, you mean to tell me I'm undervaluing work? I just don't like pulling weeds. And so, anyway, I, I digress. I took a right turn there. So, uh, at Stonewall was broken down. Then I saw and I considered, look, I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and, and want like an armed man. So this is, he's describing a person who doesn't like to work. 
So this is a person who's undervaluing work. It's a person who says, I don't care about work as long as I can, I can play my video games, whether you are a teenager, whether you are a grown man. As long as I can play my video games, I don't, like, I'm, I'm not, doing, not doing work. Whether you're a grown man or a grown woman or what have you. And I think we all find ourselves doing that at times. You say, well, listen, Marvin, you don't understand my work environment. I hate my boss. My boss hates me. So I'm going to give less than my best, and I'm going to undervalue what I do. And so my job, again, is to remind you of who you are as a follower of Jesus. Our job with one another is to remind one another of who we are as we show up to work. That, that, that's, that's part of our responsibility to each other and with each other. And so there's this sense where we not only undervalue work, but I think sometimes we overvalue work. Our desks become our altars. Listen to Exodus chapter 18, verses 17 through, uh, 17 through 18. This is Moses. Moses is the context. Moses is listening to all of the problems of the people. And he is approached by his father-in-law. This is what his father-in-law says to him. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So some of you right now, some of you right now, you heard the, the last point was you undervalue work. Some of you in this room right now, myself included, we overvalue work. 60 hours, 70 hours, 80 hours, and our bodies are breaking down, and our family doesn't know us. I remember uh, one of the things that we did, we went, on, we went on vacation, my family and I went on vacation, and so I gave my kids this, um, I gave them this question, and I said, listen, I, I'm not going to, and I think I've shared this before, I'm not going to, no, no justification, no rationalization, what is it like to be on the other side of dad? What is it like to be on the other side of me? How do I show up to you? And when you look at me, how do I show up? What do you see? And man, these kids went in on me, man. They went in on me. And I gave them the freedom to do it. And guess what? I didn't say, you know, I'm, I'm, listen, I am working to, so that you can eat. I didn't say that. I wanted to, but I didn't say that. <laughs> didn't say that. And so my oldest son, Marvin, took his glasses. He said, Dad, let me see your computer. And he put his glasses down like this, and he took my computer, and he says, this is what you do all day long. And that stung. It was like he is calling out in me the overvaluation of the work that I do. And there's something about all of us that feeds that, right? Like, like when, when, when we overvalue work, people say, oh, you did a great job. That means, and we take that as, I need to do more of that so I can get more of the accolades. And so I think that's the way we show up sometimes. And so, um, so I, I think there's this sense where, where we overvalue work. And so here's the third thing. The third thing is Jesus redeems the purpose of work. He redeems the purpose of work. And, um, and I'm going to give you several passages. It's um, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. Again, Paul is talking to people who are working, rendering service with a 
good will as the Lord and not as to the Lord and not to man. Colossians verses 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. And then Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So Jesus redeems work. The moment you and I become believers, the moment you and I say yes to Jesus, he changes. He goes to work on our thinking about work. He goes to work on our thinking about how we show up at work. He goes on, um, he goes on to begin to change us to say the work that you and I do should be glorifying to God. In other words, it should be pointing back to God. The work that you and I do is not about selfishness. It's not about what, what's good for me. It's not about reaching all of my goals, even though that's a part of it. But behind all of that is truly, what does Jesus think about my work? What does Jesus think about the work that I'm doing? And am I, am I putting the best work out that I can? And so part of, part of Jesus redeeming our work is for him to say, man, I... I really want you to show up in such a way that it honors me. That when people look at your work, they'll say, there's something different about the way you do your job. But then there's, there's also part of the redemption of the work is a, ro- a work rest rhythm that shows up early in the, the Hebrew scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is the creation of the world. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work and he had, that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, God wasn't like tired that he's like, man, I need a break. Like it wasn't that. He's the God of the universe. He created the universe. He has no fatigue in him. But what he does do, he models a work rest rhythm that is built into our DNA as humanity and human beings. That God created in you and created in me that we work six days and we rest, completely rest the, the, the seventh day. Now, for some, it might be Sunday. For others, it might be Saturday. For others, it might be another day during their week. But, but the Sabbath principle is, is to take a period of 24 hours to stop work, paid and unpaid, to rest, whatever rest looks like for you. It could be a nap. It could be uh, whatever that might, it could be uh, time at the beach. Delight. What do you delight in? One of the things, this is hard for me, and I had to actually think about, Marvin, what do you actually delight in besides work? So there's this principle, the work-rest principle that God models for us is uh, stop working, 24-hour period, delight in God, delight in his good creation, uh, rest, and then contemplate him, contemplate and worship. Now, that's taken from Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Relationships as well. There's something about, this makes no sense in the American world right now. What do you mean? What do you mean to tell me I got to take a 24-hour period of time where I am resting and not doing anything? We just don't know how to do it. And yet God has built it in us. This is what will happen. If we don't take the time, 
our bodies will make us take the time. Our bodies will break down, and God will, through sickness and pain and other things, he will force us to practice the rhythm of work, rest, rhythm. So what does this mean for us? Let me give you, let me give you several things, and then we'll, we'll be out of here. Uh, first thing, if you are a Christian and you are, you're a Christian and you are the employee, here are some principles do the job you've been hired to do. Do the job you've been hired to do. If you were hired to answer phones, then in every area of the job you have, every time, do the job you've been hired to do. But shouldn't I, be, shouldn't I just be praying for people and, like, yeah, pray for people at lunch break and after work? They didn't pay you to pray. They didn't pay, unless, unless it's my job, all right? I'm I'm, I, I hate the way that even sounds, right? I hate the way that even sounds. Like, I, I get paid to pray. Now, I don't get paid to pray. Whether I was getting paid or not, I would be praying for you, all right? So, so, so you're not paid to start a revival on your job. If you're an attorney, they pay you to write briefs. If, if you're an accountant, they pay you to balance spreadsheets, If you are a professor or a teacher, they pay you to teach and bring your A game every single time. If you are a student, you are, man, you're paid to, parents, okay, I know you, kids are going, pay me, that's right, pay me to get A's. We did do that with our kids too, so, Uh, but but you're, 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 you're paid to, or you're acknowledged to do your job and do it well, whatever your job is. If you're an entrepreneur, well, nobody, I don't have a boss. God is your boss, and he sees everything you do. So no cutting corners, no cutting corners. So here's another principle. If it is sinful, respectfully refuse to do it. If it's sinful, respectfully refuse to do it. We would rather obey God than obey man. And guess what? The same God who got you that job And if you leave, it's the same God who will get you the next job. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. If it is a dirty job, a job you don't like doing, a job you don't prefer to do, do your best. We all will be asked to do things we don't like to do. But the way we show up is we do our best. We put our best work forward. And then, again, another principle do your job with the right attitude. Do your job with the right attitude. Do your schoolwork with the right attitude. So Marvin, I don't like my boss. My boss is this and that and the other. Do your job with the right attitude. If you can find a better job, go for it. You can find a better job. You don't like the job. It's toxic. The, the environment, the work environment is toxic. The, the, the boss is disrespecting you and all of the, your coworkers. If you can find a better job, begin praying now, asking God for discernment for an open door for a better job. If you can't find a better job right now, don't complain. Because unbelievers are watching and listening and they're modeling our work, their work after our work. And so if you can't find a better job right now, don't complain about the job that you have. Do your job with excellence. 
Treat your job, your work as a part of an extension of your worship. Guess what? The marketplace, wherever you work, is your mission field. It is your mission field, and you and I are missionaries representing Jesus on that job. If you are the employer, you're the boss. Here, here are basically two principles. Create a fair and work, a fair and just work environment. You're the boss, create, you create the culture. You either create the culture or you allow the culture. Let's be the ones that are creating the culture. If you're the boss, creating the culture that, that is positive, that's impactful in a positive way. And then finally, uh, treat your employees as you desire Christ to treat you. However Jesus is treating you, treat your employees the same way. And here's the bottom line principle. If Christ is supreme in my life, he should positively impact the way I make my living. If Christ is supreme in my life, he should positively impact the way I make my living. I love what Martin Luther says. Uh, Martin Luther was told this, uh, he was approached by a man who wanted to know how he could serve God. And Martin Luther responded, what is your work now? The man says, I'm a shoemaker. Much to the cobbler's surprise, Martin Luther replied, then make good shoes and sell them at a fair price. Luther did, Luther did not tell the man, make Christian shoes. He didn't tell the man to leave his shoe business and become a monk as Christians. We can faithfully serve God in a variety of vocations and jobs. And we don't need to actually leave our jobs to serve Christ. We simply pursue our calling. Whatever job you have right now, that's your calling. With a new sense of a Christ and God glorifying motive and work. Whether you're whether you are working a nine-to-five, whether you're retired, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, whether you're a student, whatever it might be, we enter into every day with a different motive, a different mindset, and that is, how can I represent Jesus in all that I do, all that I say? Now, again, I know we might show up, it's like, man, the, 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 you know, I, I said something that I shouldn't have said. This is an opportunity, man, it's for the Spirit of God to say, for you to say, God, I'm so sorry the way I showed up at my job today. I, I had a wrong, I had the wrong attitude. I was, man, I was belligerent. I was hostile. I, man, I, I, I am so sorry. I am, I wasn't being myself as a follower of Jesus. You and I have an opportunity to encourage one another that way. So on my grizzy, on my grind, on my work, doing my work. And so Let's do it in such a way that makes God proud every day we do our jobs. All right? Let me, um, let me ask the prayer team to come forward, and then prayer team come forward, and then I'm going to ask us to stand. And if you have a prayer concern, listen, maybe it's you who said, man, you know something? I am a, I really am, um, I'm not a good employee. This is an opportunity to say, man, you know something? God, I'm so sorry. I, I'm, a, I'm not a good employer. I don't create a work, a, a good work, um, a just and a good work environment, and I want to change that today. I've cut corners. 
I've cheated. This is an opportunity even for students, whether you're a college student, high school student, whatever, and to say, you know something, today is a day I'm marking a line in the sand to say, I want to represent Jesus in all that I do. Teachers, listen, I want to say this, and, um, and on the 27th, we're going to be talking about mental illness. Talk about mental illness, and we're going to have, we're going to pray over, uh, we're going to pray over our teachers, and we're going to pray over all of our students. We're going to have them literally laying hands on them. This congregation, this loving community's congregation, we're going to pray for our students. I know students are going back to school sooner than the 27th, but we want to ask God's blessing, blessings over all of our students, over all of our teachers. Teachers have it hard. And I know there are days where you wake up and say, I do not want to do this again. And yet, we have an opportunity to say, God, take control over the way I show up in this classroom. And you, students, have an opportunity to bless your teachers in a way that it makes their job so much easier. And, um, and so, if, you, if any of this hit you in a, in, in a certain way, making you feel some type of way, our prayer team is up here to say, hey, listen, we're going to pray for you. So, let me pray for us. So, God, thank you for giving us the ability to create wealth. Thank you for our jobs. They come from you. We're only stewards of what you've given us. And so we pray that as we show up tomorrow, we pray that we would show up with um, less anxiety and more readiness to do, our, to do our jobs to represent you. God, all kinds of stuff are going to face us this week. We're going to face all kinds of things that's going to make us uh, act outside of ourselves. So we ask for your spirit to control us. We pray for self-control this week. We pray for good energy this week as we do our jobs. And ultimately, and um, most of all, we pray that at the end of the day, we'll be able to lay our heads on the pillows to say, we did good work today. We did good work to honor you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.